Good morning and welcome to today's IFS Club webinar, The Theory of Conspiracy Theory. According to the internet, a conspiracy theory is a belief that some covert or hidden group or organisation is responsible for a certain event or phenomenon, usually with malicious or sinister motives. Conspiracy theories often challenge the official or mainstream accounts of history, science, politics or society and claim to reveal the truth behind lies and deception. In our multifaceted world, it can no doubt be an appealing notion as they often offer simple and satisfying explanations for complex and uncertain situations, or perhaps they confirm one's own existing biases and worldview. Yet sadly, as we have seen in recent years, conspiracy theories can also be harmful and dangerous as they spread misinformation, distrust, fear, and hatred, even leading to violence or radicalization, as these theories and their followers are having a substantial impact politically and socially, as we've seen with the rise of QAnon and various allegations about COVID-19 and vaccinations. It is my pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Clive Prince. Clive will be addressing interesting and important questions from his own unique perspective, including who is most likely to believe in conspiracy theories and why? Are they always false or is there sometimes something to them? How can we tell a conspiracy theory from a genuine conspiracy? What characterizes a successful theory? How can they be counted? And most fundamental of all, what is a conspiracy theory? Clive is a writer, researcher, and occasional broadcaster. Over the past 30 years, Clive has co-authored with Lynn Picknett a series of non-fiction books that, in the words of one reviewer, challenge established and cultural history. Dan Brown even quoted the Templar Revelation, published in 1997, as inspiration for the Da Vinci Code. Documentaries on their work have been made by the BBC, ITV, National Geographic, and Channel 5. And these books have often been given the conspiracy theory label. So Clive has shared conference platforms and airtime with some of the leading and most notorious theorists and has got to know their audience. He's also engaged with some of the usual suspects of conspiracy theory, having worked with members of the security and intelligence community and organizations such as the Freemasons. And he's re Clive has researched the history of conspiracism and closely followed the academic studies in the hope of finding out if he really is a conspiracy theorist. Now, uh, the usual admin, I'm Charlotte Dorbrashley and I manage the FS Club here at CN. I'd like to warmly acknowledge and thank our very generous sponsors who enable us to continue to bring a wide range of thought-provoking content across finance, technology, economics and society to you. We'll be recording the session, it will be available to watch on our website within 48 hours and we'll also be holding a 20-minute Q&A after the presentation. So please use the GoToWebinar chat facility to send your questions in to me early as this is um, a very popular webinar today so we may run out of time for all your questions but I will send them to Clive so he can follow up um, separately after the webinar. Now um, we have a poll question to kick things off. So what is conspiracy theory? A belief in an imaginary conspiracy? or a belief in a conspiracy that is unproven, but is unlikely, or an allegation of conspiracy that is unproven, but could be, and or any belief that centers on a group working together in secret or something else entirely. So there's quite a few um, definitions there, so I'll just keep that up for a few moments for everyone to answer. I wonder if it could be most, most of these things as well. Okay, I think we're nearly um, ready to have the results, which will kick off um, class discussion this morning. Wow. 
So everyone seems to, well, largely in agreement of 41% that an allegation of conspiracy that is unproven but could be, followed by 35%, a belief in a conspiracy that is unproven but is unlikely, and 18% um, any belief that centres on a group working together in secret in pursuit of a specific, specific objective, regardless of whether it's true or false. So over to you um, to discuss, Clive. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Charlotte, um, and good morning, everybody. Thanks to you all for giving your time this morning. Um, and uh, interesting poll results. I'll come back to the uh, the answers later as I go on. Um, but as I say, pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, I think talking about a subject that is quite an unusual one for this forum. Um, so how comes I am here talking about it? It actually goes back a few months to um, when uh, Michael, Michael Minelli uh, sent me a link to an article in Kiet magazine um, that he thought I'd find interesting and he was curious to know what, what I thought about it. The article was by Christopher um, Snowden, who's from the Institute of Economic Affairs, and it was entitled The Rise of the Respectable conspiracy theory. Um, and in it, he argued that um, while conspiracy theories are routinely dismissed as being um, only for the uneducated, the unintelligent, the gullible, uh, particularly those with far right views, um, Snowden argued that they're found just as often in what he called high status discourse. That is, you know, within professionals, within academia, within the media, the the, the quality media, um, and among those who would characterise themselves on you know, liberal or left or progressive. Um, so he was saying that you know, conspiracy theories or the same thinking that's behind conspiracy theories is found just as much among those groups, and that certainly fits the way that. Um, I see things from, from my experience. And anyway, we got to talking about it. So Michael um, invited me to present a webinar on the theory of conspiracy theories. He also gave me some questions that he thought would be of particular interest to this uh, group, um, and which I have to say really made me think about things and, and look at things from a, a slightly different perspective. Um, about me, uh, well, Charlotte said it all in the introduction that you know, I've been working with Lynn Picknett for, for 30 years now. Really, we were about historical and religious mysteries. Um, we wouldn't call ourselves conspiracy theorists, but a lot of people do. Um, but in that time, you know, we've engaged with all the groups that, um, that, that Charlotte uh, mentioned. Um, and we found ourselves somewhere in the middle of between those who think, those who see conspiracy theories, or sorry, those who see conspiracies everywhere, and those who think that all conspiracy theories are by definition um, false, bunk. You know. um, and it's we're in that curious position that we're caught between the two. We're far too conspiratorial for some people who label us conspiracy theorists, people in the media. Uh, we're not conspiratorial enough for the real conspiracy theorist to the point that they actually have conspiracy theories about us and why we actually argue against certain theories. Um, so we're the target of them as well. Uh, we've also, um, we've done our own research 
mainly into the history of conspiracy theories, which is interesting in its own right, but you know it isn't part of today's talk. Um, and we've also followed the academic studies and the debate surrounding conspiracy theories that's around at the moment. Um, as Charlotte said, in parts to find out whether we're officially conspiracy theorists or not. You know. Uh, and it's that academic side that I'm going to concentrate on this morning, uh, but obviously adding comments and, and thoughts from uh, our own experience and research. Um, I'm just going to go to the slides. Just give me a second. Okay. You should be seeing my screen. Is that okay, Charlotte? Are you getting it? Yeah, we've just got your slides now, Clive. Sorry, oh, yeah. my, right, okay, just making I sure. Um, I can see <laughs> sorry. Can slides of the air. <laughs> I'm coming back. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, anyway, main point is conspiracy theories are nothing new. They've been around as long as people have been around. But they used to be ignored by academia and the kind of, again, the serious media. Um, if they featured at all, that was something for the tabloids. <clears throat> and as a result, there were very few studies into um, conspiracy beliefs. In the last couple of decades, that's all changed and for very obvious reasons. Because whereas in the past, um, conspiracy buffs had their own kind of fringe subculture that they kept within. Now it's all out there. It's highly visible. It's not just on the internet, but you have marches, they hold rallies going around my area of London. You see stickers on lampposts and graffiti about some conspiracy theory or another. Um, and a phrase that you hear more and more is um, the conspiracy theory movement, because it is now a movement. We've seen it with the various conspiracy theories about COVID-19 and vaccinations. And recent events, not just in the USA, have shown conspiracy theories have become politicized. They're being used by politicians to win over and fire up supporters. Um, not just politicized, weaponized, as with QAnon and the rise of similar movements in other countries, uh, such as the Reichsberger movement in Germany. Uh, and the FBI has identified extremism driven by conspiracy beliefs uh, as a domestic terror threat. Just a couple of months ago, Britain's head of counterterrorism policing said they are seeing increasing evidence of conspiracy theories being, as he put it, interwoven with extremism. So they're having a real impact. They can't be ignored any longer. And as a result, um, really since the, the mid 2000s, it was in the wake of 9-11 um, and all the, all the conspiracy theories that spun out of that, that was a big watershed moment. Um, and as a result, there's been this really a tsunami of academic studies within various disciplines, you know, psychology, sociology, political science, history, many, many others. Lots of papers in academic journals looking at different aspects of belief in conspiracy. 
There's also been a number of uh, interdisciplinary studies trying to draw all these threads together. Uh, here's a list of some of the key uh, conferences and projects that they've been. Um, particularly want to draw attention to the compact one at the bottom, which was an EU funded um, project, ran from 2016 to 2020 and tried to synthesize the result, the research of 150 specialists in a whole range of fields and come up with some, you know, the big picture. Uh, obviously these studies and projects are trying to answer questions such as why people believe in conspiracy theories, what kind of people believe in them, uh, how big a threat they pose, the relationship to extremism and so on. Um, the media's attitude, again, talking about the, the serious media, uh, that's, uh, that's changed too, because they now regularly write about conspiracy theories, whereas they, you know, they just wouldn't at one time. Um, but a striking thing to me is that I want to highlight is that there's a big difference between the findings of these academic studies and the way conspiracy theories are presented in the media, which I'll highlight as I go on. Um, Basically, as a rule, not always, but as a rule, the media present a much more simplified view of the subject that often actually ignores the academic findings. Um, so what has all this research found out? The short answer is, in a way, not a lot, but that in itself is telling. Or rather, the conclusions they've come up with tend to be a little contradictory and surprisingly don't really show that any features that can be used to distinguish conspiracy belief from many other areas of, of life. Um, and that even starts with the most basic question of all, what is a conspiracy theory? Which obviously go, goes back to the poll we started with, uh, which I have to admit was a bit of a trick question as I think a lot of you will realize, but as we'll see. Uh, Obviously, in, in everyday usage and again in the media and particularly in political debate, calling something a conspiracy theory is a put down. It means it's a claim that's self-evidently false and baseless and bogus. But when it comes to the academic studies, um, they haven't actually been able to agree on a definition of a conspiracy theory. There are several reasons for that. One is that conspiracy theories come in all shapes and sizes. They go all the way from, they cover a range from uh, sort of theories about a, a single event, uh, actually called uh, event conspiracies, a, a single event with a one-off specific objective, all the way through um, things that are seen as part of a much wider plot. Um, all the way up to theories about you know, the new world order and the world being run by the Illuminati or shape-shifting lizards. Um, and there's a tendency to treat all those as being one and the same, whereas actually they're quite different. They do come in different shapes and sizes. So that's one reason why it's a little difficult to um, sort of come up with a precise definition. Uh, another major reason is deciding where to draw the line between conspiracy theories and real conspiracy theories. So 
I mean, for example, in one of the earliest studies back in 1997, uh, Daniel Pipes, who's a historian, uh, uses one of his starting points, a distinction between conspiracies, which are real, and conspiracy theories, which are imaginary. Now, since then, there's been a lot more research, and it's become apparent that telling the difference between what's real and what's imaginary isn't as clear-cut as Daniel Pipes thought. Um, this is a, a comment that one of the leading researchers into conspiracy theories, uh, Joseph Uskinski, he's a political scientist, he organized the Miami conference that was in the list earlier. Um, this is his comment. Um, and there's a very good example that illustrates his point that actually happened uh, actually in the city of London back in the 1980s. Um, I think if, if you don't remember, you'll know about the case of Roberto Calvi, the banker who was embroiled in the Vatican Bank scandal and who after going on the run and going into hiding was found hanged under Blackfriars Bridge. This was in 1982. At the time it was officially ruled suicide, but a lot of people, I think it's fair to say most people, not just conspiracy buffs, didn't buy it. You know, that was all too neat given the circumstances and all of Calvin's connections. Uh, but that was the official verdict, it was suicide. But about 20 years later, under pressure from Calvi's family, the City of London Police reopened their investigation. The body was exhumed, new autopsy was done, new evidence came to light, and they found actually it had been murder. So the conspiracy theory was right. And the, but the point for this talk, and in particular with um, Joseph Yusinski's point there, is that before 2003, studies would have included people who believed Calvi had been murdered in their sample of conspiracy theorists, but after 2003, they would have excluded them. Um, so because of these um, problems, some prefer a wide definition. This is the one used by Catherine Olmsted, who's a historian who has a, a special interest in the relationship between conspiracy theories and actual conspiracy theories. So she defines it as one that is unproven, which obviously widens things considerably from Daniel Pipes' definition. Um, others define it as um, this way. Yeah. Any theory of, that explains something about the world as a result of a group of people secret collaborating. Uh, this is the definition used by uh, Tom Phillips and John Elledge in their recent book. Incidentally, don't be put off by the book's title. It's actually a very, very well-balanced um, uh, examination of the history of conspiracy theories and, and where we are. But that definition certainly to me seems far too wide it would include, for example, organized crime. And you certainly can't say believing in organized crime is a conspiracy theory. Nevertheless, some go with a definition that's as wide as that. So from all of this, what we can really see is that the definition of a conspiracy theory is actually very subjective. So going back to the poll question, they're all right. And so are many other definitions. Um, because uh, there isn't an agreed definition. And what this means is that essentially researchers doing a particular study decide on their own definition for the study and then use that, which is fine in itself because it does 
tell you things about individual conspiracy theories and the people that believe them. I'm not saying nothing useful comes out of those studies. It's just when it comes to the meta-analysis, the pooling of that data, uh, that it becomes problematic because all the individual studies aren't looking at the same thing or the same people. It, it's an acknowledged problem um, amongst the researchers looking into the big picture. So with all those difficulties, it's perhaps not surprising that most of the findings of all this research have been kind of negative in the sense that they don't, they haven't been able to pin down anything that is specific to conspiracy beliefs compared to any other sort of belief. Um, for example, conspiracy theories are popularly associated with the far right, um, but there's actually no correlation with political beliefs. So, yes, some individual theories appeal more to those on the right, some appeal more to those on the left, but belief in many conspiracy theories is actually evenly spread across the political spectrum. And uh, often they tend to migrate from one extreme uh, to the other. Just as an example, conspiracy theories about 9-11 being a, an inside job or a, a false flag operation actually began on the left. They were only later taken up by the right. Um, this is a graph that was in the Kiat article that I started with, uh, taken from a paper in the journal Political Behaviour that looked at individual conspiracy theories specifically to the USA. And the political views or affiliations of those who brought into them. And you'll see you know, some are more left, some are more right. Conspiracy theories about Donald Trump tend to be believed by Democrats. Conspiracy theories by Donald Trump tend to be believed by uh, Republicans, which you know we'd expect. But there's a lot that's right down the middle there. Um, including some very surprising and, to be honest, quite worrying ones. You see smack in the middle is Holocaust denial. Um, also, what surprised me is to see um, conspiracy theories about the Sandy Hook um, shootings are also fairly middle, you know, believed by both left and right in the States. Um, despite that, the media tends to present belief in conspiracies as if it's sort of exclusive to the far right. Um, some of the other findings, just some very general ones. Apart from that, you know, there's the, they don't correlate with political views. There's no difference between men and women when it comes to believing conspiracy theories. No significant, significant difference between uh, age groups. There is a definite cultural aspect um, because attitudes to conspiracy theories do vary from country to country and even within different cultures within a country. And all, but strangely enough, although that's acknowledged, very little research has been done into that. It's something that is kind of being worked on now. Um, most studies are very specific to one country or another. Perhaps surprisingly to a lot of people, I think there's no correlation between belief in conspiracy theories and intelligence or IQ. Um, there is some correlation with education, although it's not a strong one. Um, the more educated people tend to not to believe in conspiracy theories, um, but it's certainly not as simple as some portray it that only the uneducated uh, fall for conspiracy theories. Um, and that, of course, could have an explanation in terms perhaps of peer pressure, or it could be back to the problem of definition. The thrust of the Christopher Snowden article 
is that what he called high status discourse, that is by the educated, regularly employs the same kind of reasoning and assumptions that are that would be criticized as hallmarks of conspiracy theories. They just aren't recognized as such. Um, this is, he put it rather more pithily than I just did. Um, you know, we only think it's the other people that other people's theories that a conspiracy theory is not ours. That's certainly something that Lynn and I have found in, in our experience. Perhaps the most significant thing of all, though, is when it comes to the actual psychology of conspiracy theories, the research didn't find what many instinctively expected it to find, which is that um, you know, a lot of people assumed that conspiracy beliefs were linked to some form of abnormal psychology, such as paranoia, but they're not. Um, oh, sorry, back to here. Um, some quotes by some psychologists. Uh, Jean Willem von Preugen is one of those involved in the Compact project. Uh, Rob Brotherton is at Goldsmiths College. Uh, and the psychological studies have shown that far from being abnormal, conspiracy thinking is actually quite normal psychology. It's sort of hardwired into us. Um, that second quote by Rob Brotherton is, is often used um, to illustrate that point. So in short, these studies haven't shown there's anything unique or special about the belief in conspiracy theories as opposed to any other religious beliefs, political beliefs, any kind of belief. And for that reason, some in academia are uh, disagree with the focus always being on the theorists and argue that we should actually be concentrating on the theories. Um, one of those being Daniel Hellingo is another political scientist who sees the preoccupation with the individual and collective mindset of believers as a way of actually ducking the real issue, which is the reality or otherwise of what they believe, which highlights another key factor that has emerged from the academic studies, but which again isn't highlighted as often it should be in the media, that over the last 50 or 60 years, I think really beginning in the 1960s, there have been so many revelations of genuine conspiracies and cover-ups by governments, by government agencies, many other institutions that we're supposed to be able to trust. Some conspiracy theories do turn out to be true, including some that at first glance look as if they've been dreamt up by the most paranoid conspiracy nut. And it's those kind of revelations that have created the mistrust and suspicion that have fueled subsequent conspiracy theories, today's conspiracy culture. Uh, this is a summing up by two directors of that compact project who are both professors of American studies, that you know, it's not given the history, it's not always unreasonable to suspect conspiracy. Which brings me back um, just to start to pull things together to one of the questions that Michael asked me to address. Is this question of how to tell a conspiracy theory from a genuine conspiracy that just hasn't been proven yet? Um, given everything I've just said, you won't be surprised to hear that it's not easy. In the end, there's no one size fits all answer when it comes to conspiracy theories, much as we would like there to be. Rejecting every claim of a conspiracy at face value is just as wrong as accepting every claim at face value, as some people do. 
you have to judge each theory individually on the evidence that's put forward to support it, which takes a lot of work, as then and I can attest. Um, there are some red flags, though. Um, always wise to be cautious about claims of conspiracy that come out hard on the heels of an event, such as a terrorist attack or an assassination. You know, things circulate on the internet, claiming that people claiming to know what's really behind it before anybody really knows what's going on. The other big red flag is a claim starting with motive and, and then going to look for the evidence rather than building the case up from evidence um, to explanation. Um, but perhaps the biggest thing, given everything else that I've, I've said, um, starting with the um, Kia article, is the biggest thing is we need to be aware of our own biases. By that, I mean, we'll accept a claim of conspiracy more readily and on the basis of less, less evidence. If it's about somebody, a group, a party, um, a nation we're opposed to, than we would if it was a theory about something we support and that we agree with. So obviously we'd, we'd need less evidence, say, or we'd, we'd accept uh, a claim of conspiracy by say, Vladimir Putin's government in Russia, uh, than we, on the basis of less evidence, than we would uh, claim against our own government, depending on whether we voted for them or not. Um, so we need to be cautious about conspiracy theories that play up to our preconceptions and maybe scrutinize them uh, a little bit hard, uh, um, a, a little bit harder. So to sum up, it's not as easy to as many would think uh, for us to tell a conspiracy theory from a real one. There's a lot more conspiracy thinking around than we think or like to think, even if it's often not labeled as such. There is no signature of conspiracy belief. And even after doing all this work and this research, Lynn and I still don't know if we're conspiracy theorists or not. Um, so uh, now over to you for any questions you might have. Thanks very much, Clive. That was okay, really, thank you. <laughs> really fascinating. It's a very um, big topic for a Monday morning. I also found that a lot of the assumptions I had going into this seem to be disproven by the studies you mentioned, which is very interesting. But we do have quite a lot of questions. Um, so first of all, um, an easy one for you from Trevor Hilda. Is the same issue as the difficult? Is this the same issue as the difficulty in defining the difference between a cult and a respectable religion? Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, it, it's actually another uh, thing that Lynn and I have great interest in is well, cult and um, yeah, you, that's again is a very subjective um, uh, definition and it. It depends if you're part of the cult or not. Um, so uh, yes, I would agree absolutely. I, I, just to add, um, in some conspiracy uh, culture, particularly the more extreme ones like QAnon, obviously that that has been likened to cult, you know, cult beliefs. Um, but then again, so have a lot of extreme politics. You know, that don't necessarily have conspiracies built into them. But yes, it's a, a very good point. It's it, they are. Very, very similar. Mm, it's like people who sort of agree on certain conspiracy theories do seem to form a bit of a cult, don't they? Yeah. Um, 
Clyde Bullen has asked, has the number of conspiracy theories grown via social media? Uh, yes, that's certainly undeniably been a factor is the internet. Um, so yeah, good point. Um, although I think there is a misperception by some that um, conspiracy theories in a way are something new because they never used to be talked about. You didn't see them in the, you know, in the broadsheets. You didn't see them discussed in academia. And suddenly they're around everywhere as if we're now living in this age of conspiracy. Um, if you actually look at the history, you know, conspiracy theories have a long, long, long history. Um, they've always been around. It's just, you know, back in the past, they used to have to uh, spread conspiracy theories through pamphlets and then later through books. Now we have the Internet. So like so many other things in today's world, um, in, uh, the Internet maybe hasn't created things, but it's made them easier to spread. Um, I mean, QAnon could not have happened without the Internet. Uh, at all. So that is a big factor. But um, whether there's more conspiracy theories around is another s subject, because we didn't have the studies, say, from 50 or 100 years ago, into how many people had conspir conspiratorial ideas then. So um, yeah, it's the internet's changed things as it's changed so many things. But it didn't um, create them. Uh, Josh Tantrum um, said, fascinating topic. Is there much currency or focus on prospiracy, so secret collaboration for the common good, or is the focus always about nefarious activities and intent? Yeah. The, 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 that, uh, a very good question, that one. Um, the focus is on the negative one, negative side and the threat uh, that is potentially posed by um, conspiracy thinking. But uh, within the, you know, the, the academic studies that I've been talking about, there is a, you know, a, a feeling within certain sections of that, that, well, even the negative conspiracy theories have a positive impact. It's not all negative. Um, conspiracy theories actually have led to um, you know, uncovering genuine conspiracies. Um, so in and they also make make people scrutinize um you know official announcements the findings of governments and things um yeah basically the idea is that a little suspicion about um official pronouncements is always a good thing um so there is a side of seeing a positive side to belief in conspiracies not all negative which isn't you know, quite what you're asking, um, that are there conspiracies that are designed to um, improve people's lots? Um, not a lot of work's been done on them. I, uh, but, you know, I, I kind of imagine there would be, that there are those, you know, people using the same methods to spread their ideas that you normally think of as being uh, to push people into ex extremist, uh, you know, political extremes could be, but there's not a lot of work on that. Something that ought to be looked at. Um, now, Dominic has asked if you have any examples of conspiracy theories that have turned out to be true. Hmm. 
Um, although, I mean, many of many of things that we um, uh, you know, political scandals that are well known. I'm thinking, in a way, even Watergate, um, things like Iran Contra, began as um, uh, you know, what, what were labelled when they started as conspiracy theories. Um, there's a, a you know a lot of things that the for example, the CIA got up to in the 1960s and 70s um, that um, you know, when people first started uh, uh, talking about them were labelled a conspiracy theory. Um, but you know, further investigation, it eventually found that you know a lot of this kind of uh, devious and deceptive behaviour had really been going on. Um, you know, so there are many things... First, the Roberto Calvi thing, uh, affair that I talked about earlier, was definitely a conspiracy theory at one point, um, but turned out to be correct. Calvi was part of this, you know, one of the things that made people uh, skeptical about the suicide verdict was that Calvi was part of this um, sort of rogue Masonic lodge, P2, that was did actually form a kind of shadow government in Italy during uh, the 1970s. Um, and you know, when that started, you know, the idea, um, you know, the idea of this kind of shadow government meeting in in Masonic lodge rooms, um, a lot of people said that is just um, you know another conspiracy theory. Turned out to be absolutely correct. Um, but the important thing about it is, you know, it was a powerful conspiracy, but it was exposed and it was closed down. So it's not these kind of uh, you know, one of these secret cabals that have total power, but nevertheless, it was um, it started out sounding like a conspiracy theory, and would have been dismissed as such. But further investigation found it out to be true. So yes, many. So a lot of things, um, you know, and a lot of the things that are on our list of conspiracy theories at the moment may turn out to be true in time. I mean, wasn't um, when they discovered that the earth was in fact um, round, wasn't that a conspiracy theory at first? <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, um, there's certainly, um, you know, the flat earthers that are around today who believe that, that a massive conspiracy to cover up the fact the earth's flat. I've never worked out why there should be such a conspiracy, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, so, so, yeah. Well, sorry, we've still got a few to get through, a few questions to get through. Um, quite a few uh, members of the audience actually have said that, is there a potential to follow the money analysis for these theories? So basically, who's benefiting from the widespread belief and who benefits from its suppression? Um, I mean, that's uh, another interesting viewpoint that, um, uh, yeah, of course, th there are interests in creating conspiracy theories you know for political reasons to get support as i said earlier to fire up support um, we certainly see that happening a lot these days so um you know some conspiracy theories are undoubtedly uh, created for a as actually as part of a conspiracy um uh, actually i'll go back to the what is supposed to be the classic thing in the the, the really high level conspiracies I mean, everyone will have heard of the, you know, the Illuminati who are supposed to secretly control the world. Um, and that actually goes, the Illuminati did actually exist at one point. 
um, you know, they were big in Bavaria for a couple of years in the end of the 18th century. Uh, but when the Bavarian authorities found out about them, they closed the Illuminati down with no problem. But they then the, the authorities then started spreading the scare story about the Illuminati, that it had secretly gone underground and was still working, to give, it an, to give the authorities an excuse to close down groups that they disagreed with by saying they're Illuminati fronts. So that was you know, a classic example of a conspiracy theory being created uh, for a, to fit a particular agenda, in other words, as part of a conspiracy. And that's actually happened a lot you know, throughout history. Um, so you know, a lot of the favorite conspiracy theories QAnon being another one, um, is uh, have been you know, very cynically created for that reason. So, not necessarily follow the money, but follow the um, advantage, follow the um, follow the benefits that people have to gain from them. So, yeah, but conspiracy theories can actually be part of a genuine conspiracy. Yeah, that's no, very wise. Uh, Toby has asked, "What is one theory that you currently suspect may be true?" Oh, oh, God, that's a that's one to spring on me. Um, so, like, so, so many going around in 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 uh, so many on the list. Um, none actually, none really spring to mind because you know, I tend to um, be cautious about accepting any of them. Um, so yeah, it's put me on the spot, and I actually can't think of. One. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are ones that I suspect are true, but. Um, Another factor that needs to be taken into account in this is that sometimes some of these, um, in fact, nearly always, even the most extreme conspiracy theory is normally built around a nugget of truth. I mean, even something as extreme as QAnon, which, you know, people that have um, spent a lot of time researching it, although the, the entirety of its beliefs is false, it still contains within there the little uh, things that are true. So, and the tendency is to sort of find, you know, if if um, one allegation against a government agency turns out to be correct, the QAnon people will say this proves we're right about everything, which of course logically it doesn't at all. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean that everything that they believe can be dismissed. There are sort of say nuggets of truth in there. But I will certainly have to think about which would be top of my list at the moment for um, uh, for something that will probably turn out to be true. I will have to think about that one. Sorry, I should have I should have anticipated that question. I think. And um, so reversing that, then Andrew asks, what conspiracy theory do you personally believe is that that people find the most crazy? So what's the craziest conspiracy theory out there? Oh, well, I mean, it has to be, well, it's always these, what they call these super conspiracies, the ones that think the entire, you know, everything is a conspiracy, not just all the individual conspiracy theories are true and controlled by the same group like the Illuminati, but that they control literally everything. But, you know, in the end, it has to be David Icke's shape-shifting lizards. The world is run by then. Um, big, and, and, you know, We've engaged with David Icke's um, believers and supporters. You know, we've 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 spoken to them, 
um, and, and just to see why they believe a lot of this thing. What's interesting actually among those groups is that a lot of the people that turn up to David Icke's um, you know, conferences you know, and, and, and his lectures, um, within his whole big conspiracy theory, which runs through you know, the entire world and entire world history, even they will pick and choose bits, which bits of his theories they believe and which they reject. It's not a question of everyone that goes to these conferences and everyone that you know, is a David Icke fan uh, believe every single word he says. One of the most interesting things I found sort of um, talking to them. Um, but yeah, that has to be the craziest one. I really don't think that... Um, I don't think that the late Queen was actually a lizard who just took on human form. Um, Indeed. Uh, we do have a lot more questions that we unfortunately won't have time to get through. So I will um, send them to you, Clive, and because you've yes, been to people um, personally via email. But we'll finish up um, with one more. Uh, Richard Priest has asked, how much does the desire for a sense of security and of control in a world of greater change, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity play a role? Hmm. Um, sorry, could you just, just say that again? I just didn't catch and the end so part. How much does the desire for control and a sense of security in such a changing, um, unsecure world play a part in people believing in these theories? Hmm. Oh, a, a lot of it is about um, basically people wanting to understand the world, trying to make sense of the world, often in a very simple way. Um, but I would say that's actually a characteristic of um, you know thing that the Christopher Snowden article was talking about. You find that just as much in um, um, you know this high-level discourse of trying to come up. I find that the media often present a very simple version of. Um, uh, the conspiracy theories and conspiracy culture they say ignores a lot of the academic studies because it, the academic studies show actually things are really really complicated people want simple answers um, but again not that's not unique to conspiracy theories it certainly does play a part that's you know that's, that's a good point but you find that in so many other things as well again religion is an obvious one that gives you a simple answer it gives a lot of people a simple answer to the complexities of the world. So again, it's not something, it plays a part most definitely, but it's it's like all of these things we've been talking about, it's not unique to conspiracy beliefs, even though some people like to portray it that way. Well, thank you very much, uh, Clive, for sharing your time and knowledge with us today. It's been a really fascinating discussion. Um, also, thank you to our sponsors for making these possible. And also all of you, of course, for logging in and asking such interesting questions. But we might need to have you back again um, sometime next year, Clive, because we've got lots more to discuss. It seems. Oh, I'll be, be very happy to do it. Thank you. It's been a, been, been a real pleasure. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And we do have more um, interesting events coming up over the next few weeks, including um, this time next week on state-sponsored sport corruption. So I hope to see you um, online again soon. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks.